Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate yeah. to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline. Um, I'm here, of course, with Chris Minogue, Mothercraft nurse with over 30 years experience. How are you, Chris? I'm very well, thanks. Chris has just had a lovely weekend in Barrel. Yep. So we'll be living off her vibes today, <laughs> um, all the glorious relaxation that she had. So, uh, yes, hopefully that will help us all along the way. But if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Chris this morning, please give us a call now. It's 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. You can also email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. And of course, if you're watching us via Facebook Live, you can pop your question underneath the video and uh, we will get to it. So first up, we have Naharika on the phone. She's got a question about her 13-month-old. Hi, Naharika. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Tell, tell Chris what's going on. Um, so I'm trying to sleep train my 13 month old and um, I've been having like quite a lot of ups and downs with it. Um, so start with like when I try to put her to sleep, yeah. one of us has to be in the room till she goes to sleep. Yeah. So we can't really leave her in her cot while she's still awake, even though she's drowsy. But one of us just has to be around and probably like just hold her hand or something till she goes to sleep. Yeah. And then when she wakes up, she still wakes up at least twice during the night. Yep. And uh, when she does wake up, she doesn't want to go back in the cot. Like then it has to come, like she wants to be only in a bed to go back to sleep. So. Okay. Yep, because yeah. so, so she's having difficulty trying to self-settle and resettle yes. within self-settling. And what does she sleep for you in the day? Um, she probably has one nap during the day, she, yeah. which is fine, uh, which is at the daycare. So obviously when they, when they put her in the cot, like someone is in the room till she goes to sleep. Okay, so um, it's been reinforced through daycare. Yeah, well, yeah. They've, because they have the other kids and when they actually try to leave her still awake and walk out of the room, she she screams and she yeah. cries and tries That's to right. wake up the other kids. So they can't really do that. And what time do they does she generally get asleep in the day to the point of where you put her down at night? So what time is that sleep and then what time do you put her down at night? Um, so normally her afternoon nap is, uh, she finishes anywhere around 1, one thirty, yep. And then in the evening, she's quite tired by the time she comes back from daycare. So 7.30, 8 o'clock is the max that she, she's out for the night. Yeah. And, and she's quite sleepy and she wants to sleep. And my last question is, and how much sleep does she get in the day? Um, in the day, sometimes she'll have like probably a um, couple of hours and oh. other times she'll only have like 45 minutes. So it okay. just depends on how she is. Okay. So I think that you've, you've touched on one part of this when I ask um, parents about lots of questions around their child is the sum, the word sometimes. Sometimes they sleep an hour and a half, sometimes they sleep whatever it's the inconsistency of the sleep that adds to the overtiredness. So if the majority of the time she's up at 1.30 and she's not going to bed till 7.30 or 8, that's a really long stretch for a 13-month-old. So the first thing is by the time she goes to bed, she's so tired, she doesn't have those little um, 
those little resiliences that help her to self-settle because she's already so tired by that stage. So one thing we look at when we're changing sleep behaviour is where their sleep falls so that they are going to sleep in the right window so that as we then teach them to be able to do it in a self-settling way, so a little bit of time to try and do it and some reassurance from us, that they're actually able to do that. So what time do you get home with her from daycare? Around six. And this is what we see lots because lots of kids aren't getting home till six. So then by the time you get the basics done, like the bath, the the cuddle, the, you know, maybe even giving dinner, it's really late for them. So we need to be really aware because if she's getting up at 1.30, I'd be having a little 13-month-old in bed by 6.30 or 7, which doesn't work if you're only getting Mm. home at 6. So maybe we can ask the daycare to help out here and maybe put her down a bit later consistently so that that helps you when you put her down at night. So it's getting both parties to work together because I think there's lots of people that struggle with this particular question about, you know, even the daycare part. So if they could maybe put her down around the 12 o'clock window and then she was getting up more in the 2 o'clock window, she's sleeping quite well for them at daycare, then I think that's going to help you when you go to do the same thing in the evening because you probably can't put her down much before 7.30 by the time you get home and do everything for her. Yeah, well, the earliest I can try and do is like 7 because sometimes I can see her and I know how tired she is. So I literally get home, rush through um, everything that needs to be done, like dinner, bath, yeah. and like um, put yep. her to sleep by 7. So. And then, and the other one is ask the daycare to see if they can do dinner because 6 o'clock is late to do dinner and then, you know, she's got to have a feed before she goes to bed. So there's all these mm. little conversations that we need to have. But the essence of what needs to be done is you've got her to the point where she's happy to be in the cot as long as someone's physically in the room. Now what we need to do is to stay there for a short period, then leave Mm -hmm. for a short period, then go back in and give reassurance until she's calm, then leave a little bit longer and build it up to the point of where we give her enough time to try and self-settle. So okay. it's a, I think you're at a good space because you've got her to the point where she'll accept you going, going down without you having to physically hold her. But yeah. now we've got to reinforce it and we have to do the same thing at night. Sounds like when she wakes up at night, she gets picked up in some way because you're saying she won't go back down in the cot. So you yeah. want to do exactly the same thing. When she wakes up at night, give her a minute or two to be able to see if she, that whinge develops into a cry or does it settle mm-hmm. down and she, she manages to go back to sleep. And if not, go in and do exactly what you do at night. If you sit on the bed, you sit on the bed. If you put your hand on, on the bed, lots of people want the baby wants the hand on the bed. Try not to get her to hold your hand or you hold hers because then they'll hang on to it for a long time. So just putting it near her and then drawing it back again then getting her to the point of being calm and then walking away. Because what in essence is happening is she goes to sleep with someone in the room. We need to start to just wean her back to going to sleep with reassurance but not necessarily someone in the room. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you're going to have the continuous problem for resettling overnight. 
Okay. Okay, so I know there's a lot in there and there's a few steps you can do, but yeah. you're at the right spot. Now you've got to withdraw a little bit. She's going to cry. She's 13 months old. She's going to cry. She's going to stand yeah. up. But just giving her a few minutes, then going back, getting her to lay down, saying things like, put your head down, it's time for sleep, put your head down, and then mummy's here, put your head down, will help her put her head back down again. Okay. Okay? All right. Okay. Good, good luck, Niharika. Good luck. Thank you. You're listening to Kindling Helpline on Kindling Conversation. And if you have a question for Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue, she's got over 30 years' experience, you can give us a call on 1800 Kids Radio. Or if you're watching us live via Facebook, just pop your question below the video and we will get to it as soon as we can. The next question comes from Lauren, who has an 11-month-old boy who is apparently an excellent sleeper. And we'd love to hear that. And has slept through the night since 10 weeks old. He currently has two day sleeps for one and a half hours each. He wakes at 7.30 a.m., has his first sleep at 10.15 a.m. and second sleep at 2.30 p.m. and will go down at night at about 7 p.m. Great. I know. So this far, so good. good. Story. <laughs> What's the question? No, just joking. Um, he's just started daycare three days a week. So that's Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. And he's yep. having shorter day sleeps, yep. either 45 minutes or less. Yep. But his night sleeps haven't been disrupted. Yay. I've yep. spoken with the carers at daycare about trying to get his sleeps to last longer, but this doesn't seem to be making much of a difference. At home, he still sleeps mostly one and a half hours per day sleep yeah. and has a blockout blind and the sleep sound noise on as we live oh in a noisy goodness. neighborhood. Oh. At daycare, the room he sleeps in is lighter than at home. And although the door is closed, babies will be playing by his room, by the room he sleeps in. Yeah. How can I get him to have longer sleeps at daycare? And what should I be asking of the carers at the daycare to enable this? Is the blockout blind and sleep sound I am using at home hindering his ability to sleep at daycare? I don't want to undo the excellent sleep habits we have built over the last 11 months. They do sound like very good sleep habits, don't they, Chris? They sound like spot-on sleep habits and a really well-adjusted little man. And the shortening of his sleeps at daycare is a normal behaviour of daycare. It's the, the You can't control that because they often have multiple babies within a sleep room or a cot room. And those babies will wake up. We know, and when we get advice or when I'm giving advice to a parent about starting daycare, I always tell them that the baby sleep will almost be always half of what they normally do. And that's why on the other days um, where they're at home, it's really important that they get their sleep so that it doesn't fall apart from you. So then you've got to look at the carers and maybe what type of environment they're in. So it sounds like he's in a cot room there's always going to be noise. Um, they usually don't darken them because I, for most of them, I think they have to be able to glance in and see the babies. So they won't get the room overly dark. You could ask them to put a noise machine or take like a little bear with a noise machine in to put in his bed um, as long as it's in a safe environment to help make that adjustment. But other than that, it is really common for children to halve their sleep in daycare. So just be mindful on the other day that they get the sleep that they're requiring. So unfortunately, I think you're doing brilliantly, Lauren. I think you're hitting all the things you should be doing. And you got even the days are right. So you haven't got too many days in a row. So he can pick up his sleep on that Wednesday and Thursday before he goes back on Friday. So I think it's just the natural part of multiple babies in a room and multiple noise around him.
It doesn't sound like you're too worried that it will get worse because that seems no. to be Lauren's prime concern. So you yeah. think she's fine? Yeah, I do. I don't it's think good. it'll get worse. I think that is the way that daycare um, functions with children and that's why as long as the parents are aware that on the other days, don't try and muck their sleep up, make sure they're getting keep it, it the it'll just keep ticking along because there's not a lot more we can do about it. All right. Well, thanks for your question, Lauren. Uh, Natalia on Facebook, hello, says, um, have you got any advice for night terrors, please? My two-and-a-half-year-old waking in the middle of the night, uncontrollably crying and no settling for one to three hours has only happened in the last two weeks, has previously slept 12-plus hours without any problems. It's frightening and I feel horrible that he won't settle. He doesn't remember anything when asked in the morning. Oh, well, they wouldn't. He's only two and a half, so he wouldn't remember, you know, anyway. Even if it was a nightmare, he wouldn't remember. I think the first thing is to determine what it is that's happening for him. And this is a little bit hard because we haven't got Natalia on the phone to give us a description of what's happening. But there are nightmares and night terrors, and I think it can get really complicated. But the easiest way to work it out is that in a night terror, they're in a subconscious sleep. So they're very unaware of what's going on. So they often push and kick and push back if you go to pick them up. Uh, They usually are out of control. And usually if you stand back and leave them safely in the cot, it'll just wear itself out. A nightmare is where they're telling you what's going on. So there's a monster in the cupboard. There's a shadow outside. The wind woke me up, things like that. But a two and a half year old can or cannot have that much language depending on their language development I think in either cases for it to go on for an hour to three hours they've woken themselves up in the process and then you've got to get them back to sleep but if you walk in the room and they put their hands up and say mummy up then that's not a nightmare or not a night terror. So we have to define what might be going on. But you've mentioned the word night terror, so maybe you've done some research as to how to define that. And um, the easiest way is that a night terror occurs in the same two-hour window most nights, um, but it can be random across a week. And what you have to do, this is how I was taught to do it and it works, is you have to disturb their sleep pattern. So if it commonly happens at one o'clock in the morning, you go in at 12.30 and you just gently move the child around a little bit. So not fully wake them up, but bring them out of that sleep cycle and it moves them through that sleep phase and well pushes them through the sleep phase and it allows them to stop having that terror it happens randomly they could have a busy week and they have them they could have a gentle quiet week and 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 they'll still have them so I think if it's a true night terror going in and just gently moving them around so it moves their sleep cycle um, usually does the trick and shameless self-promotion here, Natalie. We I just finished a podcast called The Promise of Sleep, and one oh. of the episodes is, is all about sleep disorders, including yeah. night terrors. So yeah. um, I speak with Dr. Arthur Teng from the Sydney Sleep Disorder Clinic about them. And I am not an expert like Chris, so I won't tell you what he says, but if you go and download that, you might get some more say, insight. What did he say? Uh, similar, but yeah. different technique in terms of disrupting the sleep pattern. Yeah. But uh, night terrors are awful for parents, but if it's any consolation, your child according to Dr. Tang, as you said, doesn't remember anything and it doesn't affect them at all. No, just not at all. (laughs) Just Just everybody around them. So good luck with that, Natalia. We have a question from Erin, who has 11-month-old twins. She says, welcome back, Chris. (laughs) 
I have a quick question about my 11-month-old twins. They sleep well and only wake once at night, usually for a feed around 2 a.m., which is good. I'm just wondering how many naps they should be having during the day. If we're out and about in the morning, then they're usually quite happy to nap in the pram or in the car. Then usually they will have a decent nap from about lunchtime until 1.32-ish. I'm just wondering if this is okay for their age or should I be giving them a longer nap in the morning? It's a little challenging with my toddler being at kindle kinder though. Okay, 11-month-old twins would still be having uh, two sleeps in the day and it's about the juggle, like who gets whose attention and when and where. Um, I think they're going down for their lunchtime sleep too early. So in total, you're probably looking at about three to three and a half hours of sleep across the day. And that could look like an hour and a half, an hour and a half. It could look like, and most commonly is, 45 minutes to an hour and then two really good hours in the afternoon. But I think your lunchtime sleep is a bit early. So if I took on average, because we don't have any information about what time they get up in the morning, if I took the average of six o'clock in the morning, I wouldn't be giving them that first nap until nine, nine, between nine and 9.30. So that's plenty of time to get a toddler to kindy and back again. Um, and then that would mean that their next sleep wouldn't be for another three to three and a half hours from when they got up. So about more in the one, one thirty window. And then I think you'll get better sleep generally. So the first sleep, say between nine and 9.30, this was off the example of a six o'clock start. And the next sleep's probably more in the one, one thirty, And you'll probably get more two consistent sleeps. Minimum sleep in the first one at 11 months, I'd be 45 minutes. Um, be careful not to do the 45 minutes always on the move, so cars and prams, because they'll be getting less than that. So the odd occasion of doing that is going to be perfectly fine, but constantly getting in, in the car, they just won't get enough sleep. So they might only be getting 20 minutes, therefore going down too early, and then being overtired when they go down at night. So I think with a little bit of adjustment, Erin, it'll feel much more settled for you. So two sleeps and about three to three and a half hours in total. This is Kindling Helpline. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're um, with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue, who has over 30 years' experience helping families across Sydney and Australia now that we're on the helpline. And you can um, pop your question under the Facebook Live if that's what you, where you're watching us. If you're listening to us through your radio or app, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au or you can call um, 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. We do have a phone call at the moment from Rhiannon who has an eight-month-old and um, she needs some help getting sleep in the car, I think. Rhiannon, how are you? I'm um, good, thank you. Um, I wanted to say thank you first um, for some advice I got about a month ago with um, feeding with my one at our work to treat. And oh, we were able thank to you. Drop the last uh, night feed and he hasn't uh, picked up any and is uh, sleeping through oh, perfect. from uh, 7 till about 6.30 now. Um, uh, with getting the feeds correct during the day um, now with him. So I was hoping to get some advice with our other little issue. Yes. Um, he, uh, since eight weeks, he won't really sleep in the car. He will fall asleep in the car pretty easily, yep. but the max till sleep is 25 minutes. Um, wow. which <laughs> so defined, has become it? <laughs> yeah, like you can, you can put a stopwatch to it and it's 25 minutes. Um, it's been preventing me to going and visiting some friends and family that live a few hours away. Yeah. Um, because he doesn't like to obviously be in the car for too long when he's awake. Yeah. Um, 
And like even uh, last week, um, he was due to be in bed at two. Yeah. I left an appointment at quarter past one to get him home in time before it. And he fell, fell asleep. asleep. <laughs> and he did that 25 minutes and that, that was, was it. it. So I had to, and I had to keep him up until 6.30. <laughs> You didn't try giving him bed. another feed, another sleep I, later on? I tried. But he wouldn't I have it. In, yeah, and yeah. I tried it in the car too because I thought, well, even another cat nap mm. would get us through. Tried the car um, a couple of hours later. He's like, nah, once I've had two naps for the day, I know, I'm they're done. clever, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I just don't so do it. Very, it's become a little frustrating because, yeah, we've got a few family and friends that live um, How far you know, away? away. Um, like about three hours drive and stuff like that. Oh, and, that's quite a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I am going on a uh, drive tomorrow to try out to visit one of my friends who's pregnant at the moment who was a big support for me when um, I had him. Yeah. And it's only just over an hour drive oh, without okay. traffic. Yeah. Um, so I'm just hoping to get some techniques to test out tomorrow um, with like hoping that he I don't know, either extend it or how to manage if he only has that 25 minutes because if we get a cranky baby. Do you know what I would do, Rhiannon? I'd actually not even think that he's going to sleep in the car and go in his awake time and take a port cot and let him have a sleep there. So I'm not sure where you're off to tomorrow and how far it is from you, but I would give him his first sleep at home, you know, that first one, then go off get to your friend's place and then maybe put him to sleep for his afternoon sleep um, at her place and then put him in the car coming home so that you don't get him overtired in the the interim. So the the shortest he could have in the morning at home before you leave is an hour. So if you had an hour at home and then you popped him in the car, he'd probably be happy in the car for about an hour, obviously not three hours, but an hour. If you were doing a big big drive, like three hours, and we know he's only going to do a short sleep, I'd probably leave about an hour before that sleep's due. So he's awake in yep. the car, then he whinges a little bit, falls off to sleep, has a bit of sleep, and then you're nearly where you're going to be. Because it doesn't sound like he's the baby that just goes to sleep because there's movement in the car. And no, like he, lots he, will, don't. he will go to sleep really easy with the movement. But, but he, he doesn't stay asleep. No, no, no. No. So is he still reversed in the car Uh, seat? Yes, yes, he's uh, still reversed. I mean, he's over the weight limit and the age, but I'm trying to... But you just haven't turned it around yet? No, because, I mean, in my line of work, I know how um, with safety with cars, I'm trying to wait till 12 months um, to turn him. him um, So is he uncomfortable because of all the padding? Have you taken the padding out? Padding's out, all the padding's out. Oh, okay. So he's got enough room around him. Oh, yeah. okay. And um, yeah, okay. and there's, so and there's still room to there's still room to move the seat up still okay. until it's mandatory that I yeah yeah um, until you have to him. turn him around. Okay, so it sounds like he's at least comfortable within the car because sometimes the babies are really unsettled when that padding gets too tight for them. Um, yep. So if you've got all your padding out and he's in the right seat for his age and size then I think the best you can do is probably as much as possible give him the sleeps at home and have him just seated and looking around when you drive or manage a long drive across two periods. So, you know, drive a little, play a little, drive a little. I know it drags the drive out for three hours, but I think it's probably your best. I don't think there's any tricks to make him go longer other than going up and down an M.
but even those have traffic on them now and they don't sleep as well. So I think you're doing the best you can and I don't know of really anything that would extend it yeah. as such. Yeah, I've, been, I've just had to try to avoid even even if it's half an hour close to when he should be going to yeah, sleep. Yeah, avoid doing it. What about black um, those little blockout lines on the window so the sun doesn't directly hit his eyes? Um, I've got a, I've got a, I've got one on his window, but okay. it still kind of comes through in the back. I haven't found yeah, a the good one for the back, back no, window. No, I don't um, think there are very good ones at all, <laughs> that they are any. But I think you're doing everything you can, and I would start tomorrow with him having to sleep at home so he's not overtired by the time you get home in the afternoon. And get home in the afternoon, yep, um, type of thing. Because I've, yep. I've obviously listened to your podcast and you say don't put him down till at least 6.30, um, yeah, in the evening. Thing. Yeah, in the evening, and yeah, the other day if it wasn't for the wiggles, I tell you, it would have been a nightmare of a day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the wiggles. They yeah. can be tricky yeah. when they get to two sleeps. When they've had two sleeps, it's like they know they've had two sleeps. Yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> when we used to do the three naps, if that yeah. happened, he would take the third nap. Yeah, that's right, and it'd correct correct the day, so to speak. But I yeah. think I'd be just conscious that he got at least one decent sleep within the day. Yep. in his bed, and then you'll be able to juggle the other one. So the same if I had to go out in the mornings or something like yep. that, trying to be home for the afternoon. So yeah, that's right. He's got one decent Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think you'll All be right. able to save the day by doing it that way. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for that. <laughs> Good luck, Rhiannon. Bye. Our next question comes from Bing. Um, Bing and baby Benjamin, yep. he's three months old. Thanks for all your help to date. He's improved so much since our first chat. Ben is now three months and has decided all of a sudden to reject the bottle. Before that, he consistently drank one bottle a day fed by his dad. Any tricks to get him back on the bottle? We've tried giving him breast milk in the bottle, dream feeding him and stretching out his feed so he's really hungry when we offer the bottle. I plan to go back to work at five months, hence the issue. This can be a really difficult one, Bing, um, because we had set it up so he would have one a day to keep that momentum, which often really carries them through until we have to wean them because people are going back to work. But for some reason, it's probably change, probably because we had it in the evening and maybe he's full by the evening, so he's a little bit more disinterested in the bottle. So what I think we might need to do here, Bing, is pick a different time of frame when he's hungry. So maybe over the weekend, when you first get up in the morning, is maybe your partner can give him the bottle there and get him back sucking on the bottle and you express and he's hungry enough to take the bottle and give him that for a few days and then randomly over the next couple of weeks start giving it to him at different times in the day. So pick a time frame where you think he's really hungry and I would say the morning because he's doing so well overnight and get your partner to get up and give him the bottle. So see if that gets him back onto the bottle. Um, otherwise I think you're probably doing all the right things you're using breast milk or the formula that you want to wean him onto the flow might be the other thing you might need to change the teat so that once he's sucking he gets the milk and continues to suck but otherwise I think it's more the temperament of the baby sometimes we can try and try and try and that just doesn't happen but in this case he has been taking it so try a different time frame and see if he goes back to taking it 
Good luck with that, Bing. Now, we only have time for one more question, sure. and this comes from Beck, who has a 19-month-old daughter who's right. very clingy. At various times throughout the day, she'll say, cuddle, cuddle, which doesn't mean cuddle. It means pick me up yes, and it, cuddle me. Yeah, it always does. Yeah, she can <laughs> ask for this when she's upset or has hurt herself, but also at very inconvenient times, such as when I'm cooking dinner yeah. or driving the car. Very hard to cuddle then. <laughs> if I don't give in to her and ignore her requests, she attaches herself to my leg and is absolutely hysterical for up to 15 minutes. Then if I do eventually give her a cuddle, she won't let go. I've tried talking to her and telling her I can't cuddle right now or that I've got a sore back. (laughs) I've tried that too. It doesn't Doesn't work. work. (laughs) I've tried getting my husband or someone else to take her away from me into another room when he's home, but she still cries hysterically. I just don't know what to try next next and my back is getting sore and I don't want the behavior to get worse. It probably all started around 14 months, but has gotten a bit worse over time. She does this behavior mainly with me and to a lesser degree with my mum, but not my husband who she adores. She sleeps 11 hours at night and has a two to three hour sleep each day. She eats really well and is otherwise healthy and happy. She has no other behavioral issues and is fine with me doing things like dropping her at childcare or my mum's house. Please help as any efforts to ignore the behavior just aren't working. So I think the the cuddle cuddle me cuddle me bit is really typical of this age. It's like they've learnt the word cuddle means pick up. Like it's funny when it says it means pick up, yeah, because it does mean pick up. It doesn't mean get on your knees and give me a cuddle and walk away. So cuddle me cuddle me um what we're trying to do is Put that in the right emotion because if we stop every time she asks, you're right. You're going to get absolutely nothing done and she's going to have a field day of being cuddled to death. But we're also not going to try and ignore the cuddling. So I think what I would do here is you're definitely cuddling her in times of comfort, you know, when she falls over, when she has a need. You're cuddling her before you put her down. And I think the cuddle for her is for regulation when maybe she's a bit tired or maybe she's a bit bored. So what we're going to do is try and integrate attention without it being the cuddling. So just before you go to do some cooking, maybe just spend five or ten minutes on the floor playing with her incidentally. Even if she's playing really nicely on her own, just go up and maybe read her a story, maybe integrate and play, you know, if she's playing with a tea set, let her play, make a cup of tea or whatever she's doing. Just involve yourself into her at least twice a day incidentally and see if it she she doesn't need the cuddling as much she might do that herself she might get enough from you by playing without needing to do the cuddling so that when it's dangerous like when you're cooking and she's hanging on to your leg and you're trying to do some cooking that you can say okay mummy can't do it now so can you play over here with the Tupperware while I'm doing that and I know that that's going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of patience but her world seems very secure you know it's quite rhythmic she's sleeping really well for you she's got loving grandparents around so I think she's just muddled the cuddle me cuddle me with everything and she's so everything in her life means I need to have a cuddle, which is a lovely life. She's <laughs> not going to get anything done. So let's integrate that and interrupt it. And at least twice a day, just get down on her level and play with her. Let her lead, say, What are we going to do? And she'll take you by the hand and take you somewhere and see if that reduces the amount of cuddling that she asks. I think. It's what she uses to regulate all of her feelings. So if we interrupt it a little bit and give her a bit of positive playback, it might just help settle this down. 
Good luck, Beck, and thank you for your question, and thank you everybody for who's written in or called in with their questions. And Chris, thank you for all your advice as always. It's a pleasure. You and take care. Thank you. And you can get in touch with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling dot com dot au and don't forget that all of Chris's advice from Kindling Helpline is available for free in the Kindling app under Stuff for Grownups. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.